0: If you work in snow and ice management, check out today's interview, where I talk with Martin Terrado, the CEO of SIMA, the Snow and Ice Management Association. In this interview, we talk about what to expect at the 25th annual Snow and Ice Symposium coming up in June in Milwaukee, slip and fall liability, changes to SALT application legislation, and how you can push back against insurance claims by having the right documentation.
1: We weren't getting the leads that I knew we could. We weren't getting the right leads. What started happening is that our, our leads are more qualified. Our sales have probably gone up by about 10 to 15% a year. We're gonna increase our sales volume by a million dollars in a year.
0: Hey everyone, Jack Justice here and welcome to the Landscaper's Guide. In today's podcast, we end up talking about beef jerky again. And hey, if you want me to send you a bag of jerky and the snow and ice contractors marketing toolbox, just go to landscapersguidecom Sima and I'll give you info on how I can send you that toolbox plus some of my top podcasts for snow and ice contractors. And without further ado, let's get into the interview with Martin Torado, the CEO of Sima. Today I'm excited to interview Martin Torado, who's the CEO of SIMA, the Snow and Ice Management Association, and uh, SIMA has over 1600 members. I, I personally just joined SIMA and I'm excited to speak at some of their upcoming events. I'll be speaking at the at the at the symposium in Milwaukee. And uh, they have a bunch of other really great events, and a lot of things are changing in the snow and ice industry. And I'm, I'm excited to interview Martin today on the show to uh, bring us all up to speed on what's changing and how we can get the most out of Saima. So, Martin, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jack.
0: For people who who are who haven't met you just tell us a little bit about your background. You've been the CEO since 2007. How did you get into the snow and my snow and ice industry and become CEO of Sima?
1: Yeah, time really flies. It doesn't feel like 15 years. I tell people that and, and I always preface or follow that up with is that good or bad? I'm not really sure exactly, but I you know what I've kind of come to this, I think it's good. So, that's, I, I focus on that part of it, but uh yeah, it does go fast and yeah, I've um I've always just uh, after graduated from college, I've always worked in organizational management, either in a community development capacity, but lar- largely with working with a variety of different professional and trade um, associations or societies, and uh, was able to get an opportunity to uh, work for the snow and ice um, industry and um, service providers and contractors, and I took advantage of it. It's it's worked out great, at least, um, it, you know, it has for me, and I certainly think that uh, uh, our team as well, our you know our professional staff and our board of directors, um, you know we we try to do our best to uh, to give back to the industry and provide you know the resources and, and education and support for for service providers and um, yeah that's kind of how you know I you know I, I got into it I you know was lucky to meet some people that started with with them um, or on the board at the time and had gone back to Simon a, a long ways we're only twenty five our twenty fifth anniversary is this summer. So we're still relatively new and I'm actually only the second executive director that the association has had. So it's been, uh, it's, it's gone by fast and it's been, it's been a lot of fun too.
0: What are, what are some of the things that, you know, in, in, in leading the organization over the last 15 years, what are some of the things that are maybe the same as when you started? And what are are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the snow and ice industry?
1: Yeah. Well, the, um, the things that haven't changed is just the work that's, that we do and it's it's definitely uh, can be underappreciated by a lot of people um the, the work that that you know so that snow and ice professionals do is it's in the worst weather conditions it's on nights and weekends and holidays when a lot of times people are, are inside because they're not going to be out in a blizzard or ice storm that you know our, our, our members and professionals are out working in those conditions. It's some of the, again some of the worst conditions, and it's it's hard, but it can be very rewarding as well too. Because you can, you know when you know job complete and. Uh, properties and facilities are safe and clear as snow and ice. There's a lot of satisfaction in that. So, it, you know, what hasn't changed is it's hard work and it's very re- rewarding. And, and it's still challenging to get people to, to who have that work ethic to, that want to do it. And like every other sector that's happening right now, that it's, it's becoming more and more difficult to find people to, to, um, to get in, into this profession. But I think when they do, I think that there's a lot of um, uh, not only opportunities for, for business growth and it'd be entrepreneurial. But also a lot for just um job and life satisfaction
0: yeah absolutely a a lot of that will never change and and it always has been kind of a challenge to find people to want to do it because it is grueling and it is at odd hours of the day um and and in the worst weather right so we definitely appreciate the people who do it what what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen Um, Oh, yes, for sure. Uh, Changes, I definitely think that the industry is becoming more professionalized.
1: mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, kind of going back 15 years, we we had talked about, um, again, me and other people involved in assignments, how do snow professionals become more professionalized? uh, looked at or perceived as like other skilled trades in the building and even transportation sectors. Because a lot of those those industry sectors, they have licenses and certifications to be, and you have to have those to be able to perform the work. Just think of like electricians and plumbers and skilled carpenters and, and um, you know, those those types of professions so i think what's changing is people are realizing that the more they adopt best practices standards technology technology has come a long way on particularly on on verification um uh, different things revolving around you know again being on site work perform verifying work perform weather uh, making having much more accurate weather services so that's come a long way just in 15 years and i think it's continuing to evolve and and get better well and
0: and the the verification and documentation side definitely plays into slip and fall liability. So so talk to us a little bit about what are some of the changes that you're seeing in uh, slip and fall liability and how are some of your members leveraging newer technology to have, you know, not only better safety protocols, but also documentation?
1: Yeah, um, certainly slip and falls that's the Achilles heel of the snow and ice industry kind of and that's something else too that really is going to change anytime that you're out in, in slippery and wet and icy snowy conditions there's going to be slip and falls uh, both pedestrian and even then vehicular accidents that are that are caused by by bad weather conditions mm-hmm. um and well you know there's now you know there's I think there's the best practices and we have some we have an ANSI um uh, American National Standards Institute a, a verified standard and one of those standards uh, it talks about the procurement of snow and ice and uh, there's a list of the things that you need to have on verification um, to uh uh, to, you know to, to comply and that the more that you do those steps and follow those steps the more that you're limiting your liability. Being very exact and where um, when you had personnel and equipment on a property at what time and what the weather conditions were like and did you do any follow mm-hmm. up. The more that you do that and comply with that the, the more that cases some of these slip and fall cases when you, they bring in expert witnesses that um, uh, they're being they're, there's uh, you know some um, favorable uh dispositions to um the snow and ice professionals that are that are doing this documentation and verification um so again it's kind of following these kind of these best practices and standards that are mm-hmm. um you know uh, more available now um than, than there, there really wasn't anything out there in the past but uh, it kind of covers a lot of different things to scope of work and level of service and those you know those things all need to be uh you know methods of communication those things all need to be kind of um you know communicated and validated and those kind of that kind of stuff, so
0: and, and having that documentation also empowers snow and ice contractors to push back against insurance claims, and sometimes these insurance cases are you're being reviewed months later, right and that's where having that that detailed documentation comes in handy. Tell me a little bit about pushing back on insurance claims.
1: Yeah, that's something that we've been talking about quite a bit, certainly at our board of directors level in, in particular, and just that um, having some type of a, you know, clause in, in your insurance coverage that when that, that you can actually fight some of these claims and back so they aren't just settled by insurance carriers and their attorneys. Because mm-hmm. um, when those are, they, the, the, the costs may not be direct out of pocket. they're They're paid by the premiums that you pay, but The indirect costs uh, go up and just in in ongoing insurance premiums and also in um, a number of different states and canadian provinces where uh, insurance carriers are leaving the market because um, they just are are getting too many um you know snow and ice slip and fall claims and the you know the less competitiveness there is that just raises costs and raises prices for the the carriers that are are out there um so one thing we kind of take a look at is, is there there's some things like um Self-insured retention groups and uh, insurance captive groups, and also just kind of working really closely with your your insurance uh, broker and carriers on if you need if you have the documentation, you know, paperwork, all the verification, and you think some of these claims are fraudulent, you know, you need to have some ability to push back on those and 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 fight those claims.
0: What are what are some of the things that you've seen help? snow and ice contractors when when they're pushing back on that is there certain information that you've got to have
1: yeah it's you know it, you know it's what services are, were performed by you know what people and what equipment and at what times and what were the weather conditions those are just kind of some of the things so it's you know um you know were, were you uh you know applying a salt or a de-icer um at certain times uh, that are were appropriate when the weather was at that it's you know, at its at its worst, um, was there follow-ups on you know site visits with with photo and video verification? That's becoming even more common. Um, you know, you know we all are aware of this. More and more buildings and properties have um, have video cameras just for safety and for their own security or, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. other, other reasons for, um, for protection. And can you use some of that to show that, you know, prove that when, when that services are performed, um, those are really kind of some of the essential things And that those services were communicated effectively with your customer and met their expectations. Um, When you meet those expectations, that's when you're much better protected um, against these slip and fall uh, claims. Um,
0: Absolutely. And, you know, one one of the other things that's really changing is kind of a always evolving is is with salt legislation. So, what what's happening on a state by state basis that you're seeing, um, maybe making its way uh, throughout the country? Yeah, well, I'm
1: glad you yeah you, know, you brought that up. And that's um, certainly there's a number of uh, environmental groups, freshwater sources that are looking at, and can can actually validate through some research they've been doing over years that um, uh, freshwater sources are becoming contaminated one of that one of the main contaminants of them is is chlorides and those chlorides are, um, in many cases are coming from um, rock salt and chloride application both on roads highways but also private um, private areas like parking lots and mm-hmm. um, you know retail uh, shipping centers so um, there's been a, a lot of movement to to Make sure that application. We know this. If you if you, you can't entirely get rid of of, of salt or icing materials because there's a massive safety issue. There's been some studies that go back years ago that show when they're not being used, the amount of accidents just um, just grow exponentially. So, but it's more of are you using it to following? You know, are, are you trained? And uh, are you following some of these training um, best practices and principles so that you're not over applying? And that's one of the main things is some of the over applying. There has been at times over applications just because of the, the liability that we have. A lot, a lot of times contractors carry, you know, the way contracts can be written, so they carry all the li- all the liability, and so they're going to do as much as they can to protect mm. themselves. Um, but some of the legislation that's coming down or, or has been changing is, is uh, its one of them started in New Hampshire. They have an, it's called the, the Green Snow Pro Training in New Hampshire. Um, and it's not mandatory. It's its um, its up to the, the, the contractor, the business to go through that training and certification. You have to verify how much, mm-hmm. how much salt that you've applied. But when you go through that and you continue to renew your training and certification, there's a liability protection that comes with it. Um, That's now been um, in place for over five years, and some other states are actually looking at replicating that similar legislation, particularly right now in Connecticut has that, and and a few other states, Minnesota and Wisconsin have both looked at that, and they're trying to find, um, you know, legislators who are are friendly to introduce very similar, um, very similar bills to what happened and and regulatory changes of what's happening in in New Hampshire. And from Simon's perspective it's kind of, you know you know, where where we're at is as long as it's not mandatory and that companies have the obligation, whether they want to do it or not, and that there is liability protection for companies that follow these training guidelines that we're in support of it.
0: Well, and then from a, from a competitive standpoint, I think customers, you know, commercial clients may be more interested in hiring companies who have gone through those certification processes. So, so that could be the way that it sorts itself out without making it mandatory so for for so nice professionals who want to grow their career and for uh the people who are listening who are employers what are some of the ways that they can leverage sima to increase the professionalism and training resources for for their staff
1: yeah well great you know great great question to bring up but we always ask it like when you when you join sima or you want me to join sima what do i kind of get out of and it's really kind of the things that are behind what we call like the member wall. When you join, we just have a, an extensive library of different training programs um, that uh, many of them are free for once a uh, someone joins the association. And then the ones that you want to go kind of a higher level, there's the advanced snow manager, which is kind of an operator training program that you, you go through these um uh, different modules, just four modules of training. And then for kind of the, the owner executive senior managers, there's a certified snow professional and you know, the, the CSP training kind of covers all the essential, um, t- uh, topics that a, a business owner, a business manager needs to know and uh, to successfully perform in, in, snow and ice. So it's really that. And then, I know we can talk too about some of the in-person events, cause I think we kind of all know the value when you talk to, um, you know, other associations or other fields like, um, you know the value of of in-person training and you know kind of what you can learn from other mm-hmm. people when you when you see each other in person and and, and have meetings in in that regard
0: well yeah and it, you know one of the things you hit on though i think is is the professionalism helps you stand out in the sales process so people will be more likely to pay more if they perceive you and your company to be more professional and if there's you have a a, a better track record of being proactive on safety is is a major concern for people and the um, the certification that you're available to to get can really help you stand out. I'm excited for the snow and ice symposium in Milwaukee it's the 25th anniversary. Tell us a little bit about what can we expect at the symposium?
1: Oh yeah um, we're obviously really excited I am too because it's in my hometown Milwaukee you know the symposium is is our our keystone our, our flagship event and it's you know it's three and a half to four days of just a number of different educational content and speakers you know from operations to sales to business culture and recruiting all that stuff is, is all in there and we always work, work diligently to have a, a variety of topics and speakers but there's also the trade show um, this year we're going to have our biggest trade show we've ever had and this is where you know, the attendees will be able to look at what's the, what's the latest and greatest equipment that's out there. What are some of the new technologies um, that are out there, like in software development? Um, uh, you know, what's some of the new, again, what's some of the new equipment? The, the thing that we we try to talk about more and more is just the, the value of the networking. It's the people that you meet. Again, I, I've had a few members over the years that just tell me, you know, it's, it's actually more of the... The business to business exchange, like you, you go to a conference, a snow and ice symposium or something and it's like, hey, I, I met two people, you know, what? Um, we're going to, we're going to share some work or we had some leads where it's like, hey, this really isn't my geographic area, but here's a contact for you. And some of those have led to, um, uh, you know, to business and new accounts that are, you know, uh, um, in a six figure number or higher, and it's, it's really kind of some of that exchange. Um, you know, we have people from all over North America, even a few from Europe. So it's like, it, it's not always, you're not shoulder to shoulder with someone that you directly compete with. So you kind of get out of some of that awkwardness as well, too. And that's really another benefit of, of being, a having a, a scope of, of North America. You're going to meet people from all over You just kind of learn things on, um, how, how someone, uh, someone else or a different company is, do, is doing something and, um, and can kind of help you uh look at your you know do some self-reflection and and find ways to improve.
0: That's one of my favorite things about those in-person conferences is a lot of times to me the biggest value is the people that you eat dinner with randomly or different things like that. I I actually have a personal contact that I've I've kept in touch with who runs a digital agency like mine. And we met at a conference, I think, ten years ago, and we've become friends and been able to share challenges. And because they're not necessarily in the same market as me, been able to you know really solve problems, and learn learn from each other. So that'll be great. And and tell me, tell us a little bit, what is the leadership forum, and how is that different? Different. That's that's coming up in Texas. Yeah, it's uh, August
1: eighth uh, and ninth. Um, it's going to be at the Omni Barton Creek. Um, just outside of Austin, Texas, or it's, in, you know, in Austin, um, beautiful resort. And what that what that conference or leadership forum for is really for, I would say, owners and senior managers or people that kind of want to get to that level, um, certainly the entrepreneurial types, because the content that we're going to have at that is really based is is more on business building and, and professional development and, uh, you know, growing yourself, um, having a great uh, work culture, um, some of those things that do, our, our first speaker is going to talk about irrational loyalty and a book that she's written that talks about how you can make your customers just irrationally loyal to you and in, in some examples that she's seen in in, in different business sectors. And then um, our, our closing speaker, Jack Dale, is going to talk about, you know, life by design, which is, you know, he goes back, he's a kind of a sales speaking expert, but just kind of talking about how he's kind of grown professionally and the things you need to do on work-life balance and to be a leader because you know you're not just a it's like you're a leader in your business everyone looks at that in that way but how are you a leader in your in your community and your family and things like that so um it's going to be an awesome two days uh again really high level types of of education and then also the those the speakers and also the people that are going to be there um, you know, you're talking about kind of really the leaders of the of the snow and ice industry will, will be at this event and have a couple of uh, fun receptions, special events that we'll have that we'll be able to explore a little bit of Austin as well, too, um, which will be a ton of fun.
0: Well, Martin, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. For people who want to connect directly with you or learn more about Sima, where can we do that? Yeah,
1: go to uh, sima.org. You can also email me at martin at sima.org, And, um, you know, I'm very accessible. Um, but all this stuff, you kind of want to learn a little bit more
0: about Sima. It's a uh, sima.org. Just go there and poke around and let us know kind of what you think. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Martin. And I look forward to meeting you at the symposium.
1: Great. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate you having me.
0: All right, everyone. Thanks so much for checking out today's episode. And again, if you are a snow and ice removal contractor, check out landscapersguide.com/sima for links and descriptions of my upcoming webinars and events for snow and ice. And I'll give you info on how you can get bag of beef jerky mailed to you with my snow and ice contractors marketing toolbox. Check it out at landscapersguide.com/sima. My name is Jack Justice, and I look forward to talking to you next week on The Landscaper's Guide.